the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The news. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Folks, that's the true nature of worry. Worry literally draws our attention away from the prime thing in life, which is obedience to God, honoring Him, and it causes us to be preoccupied with the mundane things of this world in a way that is emotionally troubling and and can even be tormenting. There is a difference between caring about something or saying, I have a concern, and worry. When you are concerned, you can do something about it. When you're concerned, that that talks of responsibility. But we worry over those things we can't control. That's when it becomes sinful. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives us something to do, but it doesn't get us anywhere. More importantly, worry is bad for our health. It displays a lack of trust in the believer, in our Heavenly Father. It is much more serious than many people think. Hello, this is Peter Silseth. I'd like to welcome you to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class with pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily lessons are an expansion of his pulpit ministry. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve is launching into a new series of lessons from God's Word. We will be spending the next six classes learning how we can have victory over the sin of worry. We live in an age of anxiety. Worrying has become not only acceptable in the church, but is considered by many people to be a virtue. However, the Bible calls it sin. Our main text for this series is found in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25-34 through 34, to be more specific. So, if you have your Bible, please open it up and let's get started with our lesson. Here is Pastor Steve. Well, let's open our Bibles once again to the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6. And though it will take us a couple of weeks to get through this last section in Matthew 6, we want to begin this morning by looking at verse 25. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, though we'll just begin to cover it, as I said today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they don't sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all of his glory, clothed himself like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, 
saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we clothe or, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In these verses, Jesus spoke about an issue that must have just absolutely grabbed the attention of his audience, his disciples, because it was something that was so relevant for them. He told them that they didn't need to worry. That's what this passage is about. In fact, he commanded them not to worry. Three times in these verses, Jesus said, don't worry. He said it in verse 25. He said it in verse 31. He said it again, closing this section in verse 34. And the reason the Lord was so direct and so blunt and really so repetitious is because these folks had a very serious problem with anxiety. See, many of them, if not most of them, were extremely poor, financially poor. And they worried a great deal about whether or not they're going to be able to have enough money just to to feed themselves and just to clothe themselves. In other words, they worried about their basic survival. Would they have enough just to make it each day? Would there be enough food to live on? Would there be enough clothing to withstand the elements, enough, enough clothing to protect them? Now, most of us don't worry about those things. We have far more than we really need. We don't worry about survival. We're not worried about the essentials of life. But worry is still a very relevant subject for us. Because though we may not worry about food and, and clothing, we have plenty of other things that we do tend to worry about. In fact, a few years ago, Time Magazine labeled our current age the age of anxiety. Because ours is an age that seems to worry about almost every single thing. We worry about our finances. We worry about our children. We worry about our grandchildren. We worry about our health. We worry about our safety. We worry about the security of our jobs. We worry about our futures. And, and on and on it goes. You name it, we tend to worry about it. No wonder somebody said, said that if the insignia of our forefathers was calloused hands, the insignia of modern day man is a furrowed brow. Modern man is just as much a worrier as ancient man. In fact, it's been suggested that if you want to, if you want to describe contemporary life, it can be summed up in three words, hurry, worry, and bury. That's the way we are. We hurry through life, we worry about things as we hurry through, and then they bury us. Years ago, Irma Bombeck, the late humorist, captured the struggle that many of us have with worry when she wrote about her own anxiety over her children. She wrote this, I've elevated worry to an art form. This means I can take something as insignificant as, Mom, I'm staying home on New Year's Eve, so don't worry about me, and I lie awake all night wondering why my son has no social life. If one of them drives an old car, I worry that some night on a dark road, the car will die and someone will knock him over the head with a tire iron. If he buys new wheels, I worry that he's living on a diet of credit cards. If he takes a vacation, I worry he can't afford it. If he stays home, I think he'll kill himself with stress. If he changes jobs, I worry he's unstable. If he stays in one job too long, I worry he's in a rut and will never get ahead. If he eats too much, I worry about his cholesterol. If he looks too thin, I worry about the fact that he might have an eating disorder. Well, you see, worry is a very relevant issue for us. We laugh at these things because they tend to hit home. Even if they are not the essentials of life, we find something to worry about. 
And regardless of our varying circumstances and situations and financial financial situations, none of us are immune from, from the pressures that push us in the direction of worrying. The interesting thing, though, about it is that worrying for us doesn't seem to bother us much. It seems to be such a normal way of life that it's become a routine. It's our natural response. I'm afraid that it's become such a routine part of our lives that we've become callous and insensitive to it, where it doesn't bother us, but it ought to. It ought to, because worry is a sin. It's really become the American acceptable sin. In fact, I've I've often said that if I were, and you don't need to respond to this, but if I were to ask for a show of hands who, who has been proud or who has lusted in the last, let's say, the last week, not many people would raise their hands. They'd be embarrassed to do that. But if I said, who here has worried about something in the last week? You, you wouldn't be embarrassed. You, you'd raise your hand. But we ought to be embarrassed. We ought to be ashamed of it because, because worry is a terrible sin. It is a gross sin. And it is not the acceptable norm for believers in Christ. It is a sinful abnormality, a deviation from God's way of life, the way God's word tells us to live. And that's why Jesus was so forceful, so blunt, so direct in addressing the problem of worry in Matthew chapter 6. You see, the closing verses of this chapter, in these verses, Jesus tells us why worry is so sinful. But here's the interesting thing. He doesn't just tell us worry is a sin. That would have just taken one, one statement, worry is a sin. But the way he does it is unique. He doesn't simply, as I say, state that worry is wrong. He actually explains why it's wrong by showing us how incompatible worry is with certain essential biblical truths. And it's in light of this incompatibility with biblical truth that Jesus gives us four reasons why it is wrong to worry. Four reasons why it's wrong to worry. This morning, we'll look at two of those reasons, and then Lord willing, next week, we'll look at the other two. So let's, let's get into our text. We're going to see some very fascinating, wonderful truths that ought to be of great, I trust, of great encouragement to you and help you to have victory over worry. First of all, the first reason that Jesus said that worry is wrong is because, number one, worry is incompatible with the biblical concept of life itself. The biblical view or biblical concept of life. Notice as we look at verse 25, just the first sentence or so, the first few words. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Now, the first thing we need to notice is that Jesus begins this section by connecting worry with what he's just previously taught about our earthly treasures versus our heavenly treasures. The opening phrase, he says, for this reason, I say to you, not only ties it together with what he's just taught about, as I said, these treasures, but it also tells us that what he's about to say about worry and anxiety is based on his teaching about treasures. And his point in in all this is to say this, now that you understand about kingdom values and have made the right choice to store up treasures in heaven and not cherish the things that are in this world, then now and now alone you're ready to receive the truth about worry. Because so much of what you worry about has to do with caring too much about earthly treasure. So now, in other words, so now that you've got your value system right, now you can receive the truth about don't worry. You first have to think clearly, and then you can have victory over worry. When we resume our class in just a minute, Pastor Steve will have more to tell us about worry, and especially how to know precisely what it is Jesus was telling us not to do. First, though, let me take a moment to greet those of you who just tuned in. 
You're listening to Verse by Verse with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Kreloff. We're glad to have you with us today, and we hope you'll join us every weekday for these practical studies in the Word of God. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Jesus said we should not worry about our lives. Does that mean we should not have concerns or that we should not plan for the future? Well, here is Pastor Steve with some important concepts that we need to understand if our lives are going to glorify Christ. So, in light of the fact that we should have kingdom values and not a distorted picture of this world, Jesus commands us not to worry about our lives. The question is, what exactly does he mean about worry? That's, that's pretty essential to understand. What does he mean about worry? Well, to begin with, we need to understand something important. The King James or authorized version, which some of you use, translates this phrase, take no thought for your life. But that's somewhat misleading because language changes. The word thought today doesn't mean what it did when it was written hundreds of years ago. And based on this, this translation, it has led some to believe that Jesus is teaching that we're not to have any thoughts about our life. We're not to plan for the future. We're not to even think ahead about issues relating to our life. But I want you to know that's not what he's talking about at all. See, hundreds of years ago, as I said, the word thought meant something else. It included the concept of worry and anxiety. But language, you should understand, language is always changing. Language, every language changes. And so this word no longer conveys what it once did. Therefore, it's important to understand that the Lord is not forbidding us from thinking about our lives. You have to think about your life. Nor is he forbidding us from planning ahead. You have to make plans. What he is forbidding is to have anxious and worrisome thoughts relating to our lives. It's all about anxiety here. That's precisely what worry is. It's anxiety. See, the actual Greek word that is used here is very interesting, and it, and it opens up a whole understanding of the true nature of worry. The word worry or anxiety or fretting in its original Greek language meant to distract or to divide. You ought to note that. It meant to distract or to divide in the sense of being pulled in two different directions. That's the literal thought, being pulled in two different directions. It is the same word that Jesus used in Luke 10.41 to describe Martha. Remember Martha, the sister of Mary, who was so worried, Jesus said, you're worried and bothered about so many things. Worried, bothered. That's very interesting that in the previous verse concerning Martha, it says that she was distracted with all of her preparations for entertaining others in her home. Jesus came to her home one day and, and her sister Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to him, but Martha was busy making all the preparations. Now, it's certainly not wrong to make preparations and to treat people well and to be busy cooking and doing that. Certainly not wrong, but not when you have Jesus who comes to your home. You pay attention to him, not the food. In other words, Martha's real problem is that she was distracted from the main object at hand, which was to listen to Christ. She was distracted by being anxious about a number of lesser issues. Lesser issues. And folks, that's the true nature of worry. Worry literally draws our attention away from the prime thing in life, which is obedience to God, honoring Him, and it causes us to be preoccupied with the mundane things of this world in a way that is emotionally troubling and, and can even be tormenting. 
There is a difference between caring about something or saying I have a concern and worry. When you are concerned, you can do something about it. When you're concerned, that that talks of responsibility. But we worry over those things we can't control. That's when it becomes sinful. And so Jesus is commanding us not to allow certain aspects of our lives to distract us and pull us away from focusing on him. And what specific aspects was he dealing with in the life of these people? Verse 25, we go on to read, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. And now he explains the specifics as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Now let's just stop there. The Lord puts his finger on something that the people of his day, as we said, often worried about, is having enough food and water to just stay alive, having enough clothes on their backs to keep themselves dressed. Now keep in mind that the people of that era were generally, most of them were, were very poor, and the government offered very little help. In fact, it is estimated that the average citizen of Israel in that day paid at least 40% of his, of his wages in taxes that would have gone to Rome, would have gone also to keep up the temple and things of that nature. So in addition to this constant lack of money, they often had a lack of sufficient rain. Israel is in a dry climate. Much of it is desert. And a, and a lack of rain meant a shortage of water, which in turn meant a shortage of food, which then in turn affected the entire economy and would result in making the buying of clothes more difficult. So it was a very vicious cycle. It was a cycle of difficulty. And the people that Jesus was talking to were constantly tempted then to worry about just how they were going to sustain and care for their bodies. Constantly a weight on their mind. And this preoccupation, here's the point, this preoccupation with preserving their bodies distracted them, watch this, from the real meaning of life. And that's why, I want you to note this, that's why Jesus concludes, verse 25, it's important you see this, he concludes verse 25 by raising a significant point to get them beyond themselves to think biblically. He said this, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? That's a tremendous question. Tremendous question. He's saying this, isn't your life more than just a body to feed and to clothe? He's calling them to consider the true biblical meaning of life. Isn't your body more than than something you're just going to feed and clothe? And the answer is, of course it is. There's far more to life than eating and putting on clothing. There's far more to life than just sustaining our physical bodies. That's what he's getting at. See, what Jesus is pointing out is that the biblical concept of life is that God created us, not so we'd be preoccupied with with ourselves, but so we would be preoccupied with glorifying him, with honoring him, with obeying his word. He didn't create us, as we said, to be preoccupied uh, with ourselves and spend the bulk of our time worrying about how we're going to have enough food and, and clothing to maintain life. See, in, in giving us physical life, I say this reverently, it is the Lord's responsibility, not ours, to sustain our lives. He gave us the life. It is his responsibility to maintain it. Now, we certainly have a responsibility to go to work and earn money to purchase food and clothing. The Lord's not just going to drop food at our doorstep. But the point is that you and I don't ever need to be anxious that God will stop providing for our needs. 
That's what the Lord is teaching. In other words, since he's the one who gave us life, it's his responsibility to provide enough to keep our lives continuing until he chooses to take us home to heaven. Here's how Martin Lloyd-Jones explained the meaning of Christ's words about life being more than, than food in the body, more than clothing. I quote, what does our Lord mean by this? The argument is a, very, is a very profound and powerful one and how prone we are to forget it. He says, in effect, take this life of yours about which you are tending to worry and become anxious. How have you got it? Where has it come from? The answer, of course, is that it is a gift of God. Man does not create life. Man does not give being to himself. Not one of us ever decided to come into this world. And the very fact that we are alive at this moment is entirely because God willed and God decided it. Life itself is a gift, a gift from God. So the argument which our Lord uses is this. If God has given you the gift of life, the greater gift, do you think he's now suddenly going to deny himself in his own methods and not see to it that your life is sustained and enabled to continue? God, he writes, has his own way of doing that. But the argument is that I need never become anxious about it. What a great statement. I think that's exactly what the Lord is talking about. The purpose of Christ's words is to call us to consider the real meaning of life. Why did God create us? What is our purpose in living? Those are basic questions. Is it to live our lives obsessed with trying to survive, to keep ourselves alive? Or or is it to focus on honoring him and glorifying him? Scripture makes it very clear that, that the purpose for which God has given us life is so that we would give him pleasure by honoring him by worshiping him. Hear these verses. In Revelation 4.11, we're told this is the worship in heaven. They say this, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Now let's just stop there. Worthy are you. God is worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. And then we're told, here's what they say in heaven, for you created all things. And because of you, They exist and were created. In other words, he's saying you created all things to turn around and give you glory and honor and power. That's why you created them. Dr. E. Stanley Jones once wrote, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not for fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air. But in faith and confidence, I breathe freely. These are my native air. Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue unwrapping these final verses of Matthew chapter 6 in the next verse by verse. We're glad that you could join us today. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry dependent upon God's provision through his people for the means of making these radio classes available through this radio station. You will find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. We have today's class available for listening or downloading. And if you head over to the archives page, you will find a wealth of audio resources. A great way to ensure that you never miss a class is to sign up for our free podcasting service. Let us give you that web address again in case you didn't get it written down. 
It's versebyverseradio.org. We also make CDs and cassettes containing Pastor Steve's messages. In order to fit into our radio time slot, Pastor Steve's messages must be split into shorter segments. But it helps sometimes to listen to an entire message at one time. If you would like to order a CD or cassette, you can do so by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. Five-year-old Johnny was in the kitchen as his mother made supper. She asked him to go into the pantry and get her a can of tomato soup, but he didn't want to go in alone. It's dark in there, and I'm scared. She asked again, and he persisted. Finally, she said, It's okay. Jesus will be in there with you. Johnny walked hesitantly to the door and slowly opened it. He peeked inside, saw that it was dark, and started to leave when all at once an idea came, and he said, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me the can of tomato soup? Anxiety can keep us from accomplishing the things God wants us to do. As we will see on the next verse-by-verse, worry is not a part of His plan for our lives. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's We're here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.